Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hi again, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the podcast tonight. Krista here with Mark, and tonight we're going to be talking about the five top prepping fuels and storing them long-term. Now, I'm just going to give you the five top. I'm sure there's more fuels than are on our list, but we came up with these five as the basic, and that would be propane, gasoline, diesel fuel, kerosene, and firewood. You may not need all of them, and we personally don't need every one of these. We don't need kerosene or diesel. Still, we've stored a few gallons You do need everything that powers your preps. Every fuel you use, you need to store. Let's start with propane. Yeah, most of us have some sort of a propane-powered device that could either be a grill, an auxiliary heater, or some sort of lantern, or a generator. The good thing about propane is it lasts almost forever. We've got one-pound bottles out in the garage that I've had for eight or ten years, and they work just as well now as they did when I bought them. These one-pound bottles will power lanterns, camp stoves, small heaters. Our big buddy will use two of those one-pound, or you can attach it. The 20-pound bottles, you know, the one that goes on the barbecue grill. You can also get some 100-pound tanks. And these are great for backup heating and even fireplaces. I know some folks that live in areas where they can't get natural gas and they want a fireplace, so they have a propane fireplace, not necessarily a wood fireplace, but it powers their gas logs. And you can get 200-gallon or more tanks. I saw some tanks today driving by that probably would have been five, 600-gallon tanks. Mm-hmm. I've seen those too, those extra big, extra long big ones. Those are for a lot of rural type usage. A lot of times they are permanently mounted either underground or above ground. Right. And sometimes the the 200 gallon tank you can get on a rental basis and your contract calls for you to purchase so much propane each year. And as you said, they're used in rural areas also for the whole house. Let's talk about gasoline a little bit. Well, gasoline is one of those items, if you own a car, even an electric car, most of them are powered with gasoline. Having some what? (laughs) Those electric cars have gasoline backup. Oh, on the hybrids. Yeah, on those hybrids they do, yes. Because the pure pure electric car, it's powered off of coal. Got you. I understand. (laughs) I hear you. I know that's a whole different podcast. You you caught me off guard with that (laughs) one, but now I know where you're coming from. Right. So we store gasoline for a variety of purposes. We even carry extra gasoline with us when we make long road trips. And we've told you about that. We carry one and three quarter gallon, carry it safely, actually have it packed in a way that we don't smell it. And we do carry that when we're traveling. And one of the reasons we do that was your seven-hour expedition on a bridge in one spot in traffic. Yeah, that's the one I got. I wasn't stranded, but I was sort of stranded in a traffic jam of seven hours. It was the I-85 parking lot. I was praying that my small little amount of gasoline would hold up, you know, during that time. And it did, and I did make it to a gasoline station 
but having an extra gallon or so would have given me a little more peace of mind because, you know, you don't want to run out and then be out in the middle of nowhere. Gasoline lasts about a year without any issues, and that's even without any type of treatment. Now, adding Stabil increases the storage time, and opinions differ on the amount of time that it can be stored, but with something like Stabil, it extends it to at least a couple of years of life. And here's something that I learned this week is that each year you can add more Stabil, the proper amount of Stabil, to your gasoline, and it will give you another year of storage time. Oh, so good, good to know. If you will add that amount, so you can take a five-gallon can of gasoline, and if you keep adding that Stabil each year, I'm understanding that that adds a year each time you do that. Now, you can't add it all up front and get five years at one time. Certainly. But you just have to renew it each year. Now, one thing that you can do, and this works well, we do something like this, and that is a rotation system. And there's several ways to go about it. You can do it with three, six, 12, five-gallon drums, whatever you want to. Uh, I guess you could do it with 55-gallon drums if you had enough need for gasoline. But you can take, let's just say you take 12 five gallon cans. That would be 60 gallons of gasoline. Put a number one on one of them, a number two on the next one, number three on the next one, number four on the next one. And then I would do it with the month. If it's March, you're using can number three. And if you can't use that up in your mower, you pour that into your gas tank and burn it in your car and go refill that. Oh, I see. So you're rotating it through your vehicle and then refilling what you need for proof. Right. So it's, it's less than a year old each time. And you do that each month. If you're doing 12 cans, each month you use the corresponding uh, five-gallon can. Now, if you're using six five-gallon cans, you can do it every other month. And what you're doing is you're working through all of your gasoline in one year. And it really costs you no more money. I mean, you you invest in it up front, but you're eventually going to use it. And the month that you pour it into the tank, that's five gallons less you're going to have to buy at the pump. And you might be able to buy it. At a cost, it might be a, a bit of a savings because, you know. We would hope so, but right now it looks like it's not going that direction. Yeah, I know. With the inflation and such. Right. So it'd be good to have 12 of those five-gallon cans out there right now. Mm-hmm. One thing you do want to do with gasoline is store it in a cool place, dark if possible. Don't leave it sitting outside in the weather where it gets hot, and we've all done that some. But store it long-term in a cool, dark place if you possibly can. Okay, so let's talk about some diesel fuel. You know, diesel fuel is not gasoline. Mm -hmm. Some people have made that terrible mistake at the pump. They picked up that green nozzle, and they (laughs) thought that stood for something like eco-friendly or something. And No, that's the diesel diesel pump. Don't Mm -hmm. be fooled. So diesel fuel, how long does diesel fuel last? Well, there's conflicting information out there, and this is the best information that we could locate. And we went through a lot of info and compiled that and looked at different things. But the diesel of yesteryear, when we were growing up, 50s and 60s, diesel lasted almost indefinitely. But now today's ultra-low sulfur diesel fuel, if it's untreated, 
the info that I've been able to seem to be the most reliable is that that untreated diesel fuel is good for six months to a year. Now, there's two enemies of diesel fuel, air and water. Mm. And water will provide for an environment for algae growth. And that algae will grow in that diesel fuel. Ew. And the air in the storage container allows for condensation. So you don't really want to store long term a half full container of diesel fuel. Oh, I see. So you really want to fill it to the you, maximum that the container will hold. Within reason. Now, right. you do have to, if you're storing it in the garage, you're going to have some heat and cold. It's going to expand and contract. So you don't want to fill it up right to the top and then screw the cap sure, on it. Sure, sure. But keep the diesel tanks full, and that will help prevent condensation. You can treat diesel fuel for long-term storage with diesel fuel stabilizer, which is actually an algicide. Well, now, this stabilizer you're talking about, is this different from the Stabil that we were just yes, talking about? Yes, it is a diesel fuel stabilizer. So, if you okay, you've got to make sure that you're reading the label mm -hmm. on your stabilizers, that it's gasoline is for gasoline and diesel is for mm -hmm. diesel. Okay. And it will be well marked. Now, one thing that you do need to do is to treat your fuel before you store it. See, additives are rarely capable of bringing dead fuel back to life. What do you mean by dead fuel? Fuel that has outlived its usefulness. So it actually can lose its potency? Well, it grows algae. Oh, you're yeah. talking, okay. Diesel fuel. And, Diesel fuel. And Ugh. that algae can build up in there, and the fuel extender will not bring it back but it will extend the life of a new fuel significantly. Okay, so treat the diesel fuel you know, while you're beginning to store it, like mm -hmm. the diesel and the stabilizer for diesel together right. goes in together. Right, just gotcha. like we do with gasoline. If we're going to store it long-term and we're going to put Stabil in it, we fill up the can, we bring the cans home, we add our Stabil gotcha. in there. Okay. So you do the same thing with your diesel fuel. Now, if there is any possibility of storing it for longer than a year, go ahead and treat it. And the life of the diesel fuel, when treated, can be extended even beyond five years. That's impressive. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, and again, again would... store it in a cool, dark place. Cool, dark place, yes. If you find value in our podcast, would you consider supporting us by buying us a cup of coffee? You can do that by going to www.buymeacoffee.com slash practicalprep. Your support helps us keep the podcast up and running as well as growing. We have a few things in the planning stages and your support will really help make those things happen. And we thank you so kindly. Now, this right. is one that, this next one is one that we've used, we store, although interestingly, I don't think we have a device that needs this. And he's referring to our good old friend, kerosene. There's actually two types of kerosene, K1 and K2. It really deals with the sulfur content of the kerosene. K2 can have up to 10 times more sulfur in it than does K1. I see. 
And the lower the sulfur content, the cleaner it burns. Because I know that with kerosene heaters, I know back in the older days, 60s and early 70s, you could actually see a lot of black sooty mm-hmm. air coming around from using a kerosene heater inside. Although they're a very efficient heater, I think the K1 has been developed specifically for that indoor use to prevent that smoky burn. Yeah, and the K1, and I remember we ran a kerosene heater as an auxiliary heat when my youngest was very very young, small toddler, and we had that in the kitchen and had it cordoned off to keep her away from it. But it was recommended that you use K1 kerosene, and you really had to buy that. Uh, That wasn't go to the service station and get it from their tank. That is K2, and there's many, many uses for that. But the K1, we would buy at the home improvement store and places like that. And it was more expensive. But in burning it with a good wick and K1 kerosene, we didn't have the smell of kerosene in the house. That's impressive because it can have a bit of an odor Mm -hmm. to it. And if you were standing right over the heater when you shut it down, you'd get just a little whiff of kerosene when it shut down for just a minute. But other than that... Which K1 is intended for lamps and stoves and space heaters. I used that kerosene heater in the wood shop, and it was also available as a backup after that. So what would you use K2 kerosene for? Well, that can be used for vented heaters. You'll see it oftentimes uh, used in something that you can remove the exhaust. That's going to have to be some type of vented heater. Just don't use it inside. I see. Yeah. Don't use it inside. Now, you can use it outdoors on one of those salamander-type heaters, construction job heaters, those kinds of things. You can burn it in that, but you are going to have more of the smell in there as well. Now, an additive is not really needed for kerosene for long-term storage, but it is available if you want to use it. But do store it in an approved container, some type tank or drum, And store it out of direct sunlight. Okay, so there's also a liquid fuel storage color code. I've seen this, but I haven't really studied it. So why don't you break that down for us? Well, you've seen it and not realized. Mm -hmm. Now, what color are most all of the gasoline, the five-gallon gasoline plastic containers? Red. So red is gasoline. Oh, I see. So you can color code your your liquid fuel, and you can know instantly your red containers are going to hold gasoline. Mm -hmm. And then there's a yellow container, Mm -hmm. and it is for? Diesel. Diesel. And then there's a blue container, Mm -hmm. and that is for? Kerosene. Okay, so quick review. Red, gasoline. Yellow, diesel fuel. Blue, kerosene. No, Either K1 or K2? Does uh, it? Well, it's, it's kerosene. kerosene okay. The color doesn't designate whether it's K1, K2. I got you. Now, one thing to be aware of, what color are most water storage containers? They're kind of, well... Now, I'm not talking about the clear ones. Blue. Blue. They are blue. So don't store your kerosene and your water nearby. Oh, yes. Now, they're going to be a different shaped container mm-hmm. and such as that, but... There are some blue five-gallon jerry can-type water containers. So just be careful with that, just making you aware. But your color code, and you take the top off of it, and you know instantly which one it is, right? whether it's kerosene or water. 
but be sure to check that before you use it. All right, so now we're going to round it out with our fifth and probably most ancient and yet completely relevant forms of fuel, and that is firewood. Good old Mother Nature provided firewood. Now, I would recommend that everybody into preparedness store some firewood. Even if you don't have, now we don't use wood in the house at this particular point in time. We need to get our chimney inspected and make sure everything's good to go there. And then that's just going to be a, a fireplace for us to be able to sit and enjoy that with a cup of coffee. But I would recommend that in case you have to build a fire outside to cook. And we do maintain some firewood. We maintain, we have quite a bit for our fire pit out there just for building an enjoyable fire. But we store some in a large chest that's plastic, so it's out of the weather. It's not getting rained on. It's protected from insects and particularly termites. And the idea is we have some there that if we have to go to backup solution number delta, number four, for our fire, we can cook in the backyard with that seasoned firewood. Now, it it needs to be seasoned, which is basically dried out. And to do that, to season it, you just cut it, split it, stack it up, and store it for a minimum of six months and maybe a year, and you're good to go there. Now, how would you store firewood in order to get a good proper drying out? Well, just store it off the ground. You don't want termites getting into it. You don't want rot. But you can just stack it, and if, you know, you're only talking... 20 inch pieces of wood most of the time and so it's split and it's able to dry out now you can put it in a wood rack i've seen people put down like pallets and then stack it on that between two trees and the trees act as the upright oh i've seen that yeah and people can depending on how far apart your trees are will determine how much firewood you can put in there Hmm. but you store it off of the ground Now, you can use storage containers, but not airtight. Right, because you do want the seasoning. You want the hot of the summer Mm -hmm. and the cold of the winter to kind of work its magic. To dry it out. To dry out that wood in a natural type of a way. And as we said a second ago, our wood for a backup, which we could bring in and burn in the fireplace if we had to or build a fire outside, that is stored on the back porch in that large container. And I don't know, is, is it like a cabinet? It's like one of those Rubbermaid, what I would call it like a garden cabinet. It's ideally suited for storing your like chair cushions and things mm. from the patio. Anything that you would want to use outside on your patio can go in these big Rubbermaid. It's about the size of a chest freezer, you know, something along but that line. But there's too much prepper stuff in there to store your mm-hmm. it holds chair cushions. A, we've got charcoal and wood and a variety of other things mm-hmm. stored out there. All kinds of nice stuff. Now, the time to store fuel is before you need it. That's as prepper a statement as I have ever heard. Mm -hmm. The time to store fuel is before you need it. Absolutely. When it's plentiful, when it's available, affordable, and when you're not stressed and not in a hurry or an emergency. Yeah, because after an event, what happens? The lines get long. Yeah, the people that didn't prepare are all out scrambling around, panicking, Mm -hmm. and they're not finding the fuel that they need because it's gone. 
Well, the supply runs short. Uh-huh. Pe- more people want to purchase it. And then you wind up with situations like after the hurricanes, you wind up with power outages. And I do remember, I think I related this to you, and I may have mentioned this on the podcast, about the lady that said that her son stood in line for gasoline for about six hours. That's insane. And when he was about third from the front of the line, the gas ran out. Yeah, they had to close the pumps. Mm-hmm. Because after they just all that, ran out of gas. They just, after all of that. So we see that after hurricanes, tornadoes, ice storms, power outages, flood like situations. That. Mm-hmm. There's been every kind of weather event. I mean, we've had everything too, from earthquake to some volcanic activity. And, you know, there's just all sorts of things that can happen naturally that can interfere with your getting fuel. But there's also some things that can happen economically. Mm-hmm. If there's going to be an, I remember the oil shortage and the gasoline shortage of the seventies. I clearly remember, you know, those long lines and, and the rationing of fuel. Those kinds of things can happen again. Now, how much fuel you store depends on your needs and your plans. Right. For example, if you're going to bug out, mm-hmm. you need enough fuel to get where you're going because it may not be available out on the road if you think you're going to be able to buy it at that time and have any and get some. You just may not. If you live in a hurricane-prone area, you need to be able to run a generator for at least a month or more. And you need to really clearly understand how your generator works. Is it a dual fuel or a single fuel? How much will it take for it to run for so many hours? You've really got to do the math on that. that. That's the key, and that's why I say enough fuel, whatever that fuel is, uh-huh. to run it for at least a month or even more. And if you live in a tornado-prone area, you need to be able to run it at least a few weeks. That's true. Now, two weeks may not be enough in a hurricane zone, but it's probably going to be enough in 95% of the tornadoes that I've seen. Now, there are some that have gone beyond that before power was restored. But All right, what's the bottom line on this? The bottom line is, and I want to reiterate this, the time to store fuel is before you need it. Store the fuels that you are going to need and use. They're going to differ from, ours may differ from yours, Mm -hmm. yours may differ from your neighbor. You're going to have to assess that for yourself. Your life or your comfort, your health, your well-being, very well could depend on fuel storage. And we appreciate you being with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. If you haven't done this already, go ahead and click the subscribe button so you'll never miss one of our episodes and share it with your friends and family. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. You can email us at info at practicalprepping.info. And our website is practicalprepping.info. And as always, remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.